Hallelujah. What a great God. Woo, feels good to be in church. Feels good to be in church today. One verse of scripture while you're standing this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Ephesians 4 and 1. And uh, Paul writing to the church. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. The word vocation means calling. That you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. And today we're going to talk about our walk in Christ. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you today and thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Let our hearts receive this word today. Lord, let it find good ground in our heart that we can be better, be more like you, and be ready to meet you again when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand for his word. I'm thankful for him today. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Our walk in Christ. Walking is a big part of this way of living. You'll find that word walk attached to so many uh, portions of it. We walk by faith and not by sight. You know, we, uh, we know that um, the Lord told Abraham, he said, look at the land, but then he said, walk through it. And there's, there's things that, uh, you know, of course, we know it's symbolic. God's telling him. Well, of course, it was literal to him. He said, it's where if you can walk, I'm going to bless you and give it to you. But for us, our walk is by faith, and, and we know that it's not always that mobility of our body and walking, but we are progressing, moving, going in a direction. But we can't just go in any direction. We've been talking about in the last couple of lessons that we are a blessed and privileged people. We talked about our our riches in Christ that we have and our position in Christ that we have. And uh, we are citizens of a different kingdom now, the kingdom of God. We, we belong to him and we're his people. There was a time when we were not even called a people, the scripture said, but now we are the people of God. And because God has given us now this, this holy calling, called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, we must walk worthy of the calling we have received. Now listen, we were not worthy before him. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that uh, God owes us something or whatever we can do makes us uh, you know, something special. But now that he has washed us, justified us, sanctified us, uh, we are worthy to walk with him. We can walk in his word, walk in his ways and we must walk worthy of the calling we have received because we have to uh, shine the light that he wants us to see. So Paul said, uh, he described himself as a prisoner. I'm captured by this. Uh, this is something that, uh, I, you know, a prisoner in jail, they don't have the key to get out. They're, they're locked in. And that's what Paul said, I don't want, I don't want out. I'm locked into this. I, I, I want, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to... Uh, be a prisoner of the Lord. Not that I am held by force, but that's the mindset I want. I want to be locked in with him. But he said, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. It's, it's so important that we walk worthy of it. 
in other words, make sure that we are doing what we should do according to his word because uh, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. Uh, he did not save us just to save us. He saved us so uh, we could be a light shining for other people to see. But if we do not walk worthy of the calling, no one will recognize that it is God who has done this work in our life. We've got to shine the light that he wants us to shine. One of the greatest figures in Scripture uh, that you'll read about, uh, you read about him in the Old Testament, then he's listed in Hebrews 11, and his story is, is great and tragic, but uh, you read about Samson. Samson was uh, born into this world, and he was a Nazarite from the womb. Now, uh, there were many Nazarite vows were common in Israel, but it was very uncommon for someone to be a Nazarite from the womb. Uh, that would, most, a Nazarite vow was something that someone would choose to do, but it, the Lord had said Samson will be one from his mother's womb. In other, way, other words, his parents would raise him as a Nazarite, and then when he was older, he would uh, take that on, on himself. He would become uh, and keep the consecration, so to say, of the Nazarite vow himself. Uh, but sadly, even with all the mighty things that Samson could do when God would move upon him, uh, he became distracted uh, in this life. He, he was a judge over Israel, a defender of Israel. He protected them and fought battles, won many uh, battles against the enemies, the Philistines. But the lust of the flesh began to pull at Samson, and uh, he, he made some very bad decisions uh, that cost him his life. He, he had something precious that gave him great power. It was a great anointing. It was the Spirit of God would move upon him and he would do miraculous things. And, and he began to take that for granted because when he uh, lay his head in the lap of Delilah, Delilah, she began to seek after his strength. She was wanting to find what makes you who you are, and she was picking at that. She wanted to find out, how can I take this strength from you? Let me tell you, any time you lay your head in the lap of this world, it's trying to take away what makes you special. It wants to rob you of your anointing. It wants to rob you of your calling. It wants to rob you of what you could be for the Lord. And uh, she wanted to weaken Samson. She wanted to take his strength from him. She wanted to take uh, what God had given him so that he could be overcome by the enemy. And, it, and he wasn't just overcome where they captured him, but they put his eyes out so that now a man who had done many great things could barely do anything without somebody leading him by the hand. Now, of course, we read that at the end of his life, uh, he, he actually called on God, and through God's mercy, God blessed him one more time, and it says that he killed more of the enemy in, at the end than he had at any other time. But, you know, not many people are willing to pay that price to get back to God, that they would just give their life. And it's sad that someone would have to lose their life at the end. He, uh, Samson, he never reached the potential that he could have had if he would have just stuck with God. We must safeguard ourselves, 
protect what God has given us and, and uh, watch over these things. We can't take it for granted that just because God is loving and kind and merciful and long-suffering that we can just waste away the gift and calling of God. And I can play around with it, and then when I'm ready, I'll line it back up. But Or God doesn't care what I do, or I can do what I want to do. Samson, he said, I'm going to get up and go out and shake myself like before and take care of this problem. He said he didn't even realize that God wasn't with him. I don't want to get so confident in myself that I can't tell that God's not with me anymore. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 20 uh, through 23, uh, the instruction here said, My son, attend to my words and incline your ear to my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them. Keep them. That doesn't mean just keep them written down so you could remember them. It means keep them. When you keep the commandments, you obey the commandments. You, so he said, keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Then he says, keep your heart. Where did he tell us to keep them at? Keep them in your heart. Hide them. Keep them in the midst of your heart. And then keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of this life of walking and living for Christ are in here. We've got to love the Lord God with all of our heart. We've got to hide it in our heart. We've got to have it in our heart because out of a heart, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. Uh, the things that are in our heart are what projects out that people see in this life. So he said, listen, what you have been given is precious and it will help your life. It'll be health to your body, not, not just physical body, but it'll be health to your spiritual walk. It'll be health to someone else, you'll be able to uh, help somebody else in this way unless you let somebody else have it. You know what it says about Samson? It says, when Delilah saw that she had told him all that was in his heart, where he had that consecration hid, he opened it up and gave it away. And she was able to manipulate him and the enemy was able to overcome him because he told her, this is what it would take for me. Uh, to lose my strength. And he told the enemy exactly what she wanted to hear. And he thought it won't matter. Don't ever get to a point in your walk. We must walk worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. We want to make sure that we do not uh, make these kind of choices, but we need to protect ourselves, make the right decisions so that we don't wreck our walk with God. There's got to be some accountability in our life. We've, we've got to make sure that we are uh, taking uh, note of what, we, what we're doing, make the right decisions so that we don't end up uh, in a bad place or out of the call of God. The gifts and calling are without repentance, but we can die without fulfilling the call. I don't want to lose this life physically, I don't want to lose my life with God. And without a proper relationship with Jesus, until we make him, unless we make him the Lord of our lives, then all the riches that we have received won't benefit us at all. Because if we don't have him, if we 
uh, say that we have a relationship with him, but do not let him be the Lord of our life, then the things we have received will not be used to glorify him. Many people have received a calling in their lives and they have, I don't know how the way to say it, said pimped it out to the world for money and for fame. Yeah, for they, 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 they were called, sure they were. And there was a time where it was just simple and they were excited about the call, but then they realized that uh, the opportunity, people told them, do this, do that, and you'll have this and you'll have that. And they began to use that gift for their self, for their own benefit, for the lust of their own flesh. And uh, Galatians tells us that we have been called unto liberty, but do not use that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. We don't get to take what God's given us and then uh, be the Lord of our own lives and use it for ourselves. We cannot frustrate the grace of God. We have got to make sure that we are walking worthy of the calling, uh, worthy of the, the vocation wherewith we have been called. What did God call us to do? I want to make sure that I am glorifying him. The, the riches that are gained in Christ can never profit a believer unless they accept the responsibility to conduct themselves in a manner that brings glory to God because that's our responsibility. Uh, the Bible says you are the light of the world and let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we've got to remember that a Christian's behavior affects the honor of God in the eyes of the world. People... People not honoring God if they don't see us living the right life. But you know what they call us? Hypocrites, false, fake, self-righteous. You know, when we start getting names like that, but when we will just live our life according to the word of God, protect ourselves, take care of ourselves, do what the word of God says. We have a responsibility to glorify God in everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, Paul said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You don't get the Holy Ghost from nobody. It, don't, it ain't catching. It ain't contagious like a virus. It ain't, it ain't something that will rub off on you from somebody else. It might inspire. You might see somebody else walking in the spirit and be inspired by them, but you won't get the Holy Ghost from anywhere but God. You have the Holy Ghost. It's in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. I'm my own man. No, you're not. You give that up when you come to him. Hello. You might have been your own man in this world. But when you come to him, you will relinquish that title or you will not be who you're supposed to be. You cannot be your own person in him. You can have your own style and things like that. I'm not talking about you got your own personality, but you are not the Lord of your life anymore. The Bible says I'm supposed to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, but you do it according to his word. You don't create this is not a hey this ain't a menu where you create your own combo too many people treating living for God like create your own combo 
just pick three and or pick two or you know and then and pay this price. Uh, all of it, uh, all of it is what we try. Keep all the word, all the commandments. Do everything that the Lord said, and make sure that you're walking worthy of the vocation. Uh, we've got to walk in this life, but people have got to see us walk. We're su- supposed to provide things honest in the sight of all men. Yeah, in, in the sight of God and man. We're supposed to provide things honest. Our job is to manifest, the scripture says, the life of Jesus in this body. When people see you, they should see him. That, that just, right there. That sums up. If they see you, they should see him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so if, if uh, they see me, they should see him. Because he's in me. He said, don't you know I'm in the Father and the Father in me? Then he prayed that we would be one in him as he was one with him. So the principle is still there for for us. He's the light of the world. How can the light shine if he's not in us? And if if there's any light shining besides the light of of Christ, we've, we've got off the trail somewhere. We've got away from the walk somewhere. We've got to have that right walk with God. So I, I want to make sure that I am not being misleading to people in this world. Jesus saved us so we could be the light of the world. When God took Israel out of Egypt, he made this statement to them. I am the God that has brought you out of Egypt. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So I brought you out. Now it's time to be like me. You were like them. You were in slavery. You were in bondage. You were in chains. You were under another taskmaster. You had to obey where you were. But I have brought you out of that. Now you be like me. Be holy because I am holy. And even Peter uh, repeats that to us in his letter to the church for us to be holy as he is holy. We're supposed to be different than this world. We're not high and lifted up and holier than thou. We're not, we got something that nobody else can't have. But we're supposed to be different. We're, we're not, uh, uh, you know, judging everybody and ugly to everybody. We, we know that it's just the grace of God that's got us where we are. Paul said, it's the grace of God that I am who I am. And so I realize that. But I can't be shape-shifting every time I get around a different crowd. I can't be turning into something else. Oh, I'm around them. I'm going to... I, I, I act like them, and I'm around them, I act like them, and then when I'm around church people, I act like church people. I got to act like Jesus no matter where I am. I read something, uh, I think it was Brother Coley Reese wrote, I read it this morning. Uh, he posted it, he talked about how Jesus sat and ate with sinners, at the, sat at the table and ate with sinners, but he said, make no mistake, when he got up, they knew he was the bread of life. And that's the way you may be. You may work with them, go to school with them. They may be in your house, but they should have no question uh, in their mind of who you are and where your allegiance lies. There should be no question in anybody's mind where your allegiance is, who you serve, who's your Lord. Everybody should know that you belong to the Lord. Paul said in Philippians 1 and 27, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. You know, that word conversation is not just your talking, it's, it's behavior. But in this instance, it means 
to behave as a citizen. And so in other words, he's saying, if you have believed, obeyed, and experienced the gospel, act like it. Hello. If you have believed the gospel, if you have obeyed the gospel, if you have experienced the power of the gospel in your life, act like it. Behave like a citizen of this new country that you're headed to. Behave like you belong to the kingdom of God now, that that you have a different way to walk and you're not walking like everybody else in this world. We are expected to make every conceivable effort to be diligent, to be zealous about it, to keep the unity of the Spirit so that people will see that there is a God. We've got to, uh, that's what, you know what the people look at? The church. The scripture said judgment would begin first at the house of God. It's going to begin with the church and the, the world sees the church. And, and so what we have to understand if we're going to keep this unity in the church, we've got to realize something, that God's church is perfect. Hello, listen now. But your congregation is going to be full of people who are imperfect. And you got to understand that. You can't look at people just because they sit in the church and think they have no faults, no issues, no hang-ups, no mess-ups, no history, no past. And they don't struggle with things. You've got to realize that they do. And we've got to understand that we're not condoning those kind of things, but we must understand that when we love people, love covers a multitude of sin. The Bible says, here's how the world will know that you belong to me. They'll know you're my disciples when they see you love one another. That's behaving like a citizen. Don't look down your nose at somebody because they're struggling with an issue. Pray for them. Pray with them. Encourage them. Counsel them. Help them. Be with them. Bear one another's burdens. Strengthen those feeble hands. Encourage them. Help them get through it. Unity is a gift of God to the church, but it is the responsibility of every individual to maintain it. Yeah. It is our responsibility as church people to maintain unity in the body because we can either be people who cause division or we can be people who cause unity. We're going to be one or the other. There's no middle ground. There's no sitting on the fence. You're either splitting things or mending things. Yep. Hello. Unity, unity in the church will only be maintained through the loving efforts of believers that are in the congregation. And when we can respect, listen, we respect one another's differences. That's why in the church, that's why I've told you before, I said we don't talk about politics over this pulpit because I know that in a congregation there's Republicans and Democrats liberals I know it in every congregation guess what you can be born again for the Holy Ghost and be either one of those and just because somebody you sing beside in the choir or sit beside in church may not have voted like you what about that but got the same Holy Ghost got the same God that loves them Maybe you don't understand them. I didn't say that. I didn't say you'd understand them. But you've got to accept that everybody's not going to be just like you in some of those things. 
We've got to respect that and then bear one another's weakness because unity is everyone's responsibility. There is no church. I don't care how accurate they are with their doctrine. They can never expect the full blessing of the Lord unless its members promote unity and love for one another in the bond of peace. When the church first started, when they... Uh, when they first hit, hit the ground in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now there's 3,000 people here, at least right now at this point, that's got to maintain unity. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wondrous signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. People were reaching out. This is what they were doing in that day. They were helping supply the needs of those that had needs. And they, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, ate their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, Listen to this, praising God and having favor with all the people, not just the church people, but with all the people. See, we're never going to have the favor of our city. You're never going to have the favor of your coworkers. You're never going to have the favor of your families until they can see you in unity with the church. If you go home and grumble about your church, well, why do you think they want to, why, why, why would they want to come there? If every time you go out to eat, you got to badmouth somebody in the church and somebody sitting at the next table or that table hears you doing that kind of stuff. Or, hey, or worse, you get home and your kids hear you badmouthing the church and then you wonder why your kids don't never want to go to church. Come on, somebody. We've got to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. We've got to make sure that, hey, we, we've got to lift one another up. Uh, hey, don't, don't, don't badmouth one another. Don't talk ugly. About, the Bible says to speak evil of no man. No man. I want to make sure I'm promoting unity. He said they were praising God and they had favor with all the people. And then the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. People wanted to be saved. Hey, I want what they got. Look at them smiling. Look at them loving each other. Look how unified they are. That's what I want. And so God was just adding to the church daily. Daily. Every day somebody said, I, I'm joining. I'm in. I'm there. What you get? Tell me about it. People wanted to know what the church had. And it wasn't because they were watching the dead get up out of the ground. It was because they were watching living, breathing humans love each other. Unity. Yeah, you know what? I just talked to another guy. He was saying the same thing you said. I talked to another guy. He was saying the same thing. Y'all, y'all unified. And when the world can see that unity, they, they realize, hey, something's going on in that church. Something's happening in that place. That's the kind of church I want our church to be. And I, I feel like our church does very well. I feel like we're doing great. But I, I don't ever get comfortable 
and just sit back and say, we can just coast now. We need to strive to be better every day. Hey, hey, we've got to, I know it, we've got to work on it. We've got to work on it. God, help me to be better. Help me not to open my mouth. Help me not to lose my temper. Help me not to, you know, just, just help me, God, to, to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. Uh, help me to forgive others as you forgave me. We've got to make sure we're doing the right things. God gave us so many things to help us with this and, and uh, to, so that we can walk worthy. God didn't just say, okay, just... It's all guesswork from here on out. I saved you now. Just you're on your own. I'm going to blindfold you. Take off. He didn't do that. But he gave us what we needed. Paul went on to write in the book of Ephesians in the fourth chapter. He began to talk about what God gave for the perfecting of the saints. And it was a a ministry, five different ministries that were given to the church uh, to enrich the church, to assist in the unity that we're supposed to strive for. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's Ephesians 4 and 11. God gave these. Now, there's a lot of people, you know, man, I'll just be saved at home. I'm just going to be saved on my own. I don't need church. I don't need no preacher in my life. So you don't want what God's given unless it suits you. Because God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God gave them. So it's like God is offering that, and you're saying, nah, I'm good. I'll take heaven and them little goosebumps you give out every once in a while. If that'll, if that'll be all right, I'll just take that. Uh, I, want to, I want to do the create your own combo, Lord. I want, no, hey, I, I want church, but no tithes. Um, can, you, can you take tithes off that? Uh, People picking and choosing like they're getting rid of cilantro or sour cream, man. (laughs) Got to have it all. So he said, he gave us these ministry apostles calling us to take the gospel to places that it's never been before so that they can establish the church in other places, the body to grow, not just our local assembly, but the body as a whole because this body will have a hard time if it wasn't the rest of the body out there. Apostles are commissioned by Jesus, empowered with his miraculous grace so they can accomplish the work of laying the foundation of a church in new territory. Without apostles, the church would not expand and establish the new areas. Prophets are those who are endowed by God with the ability to give direction and warning to the church. Prophecy is not limited to foretelling the future. But a prophet can be one who foretells God's purpose for his church. A prophet may also speak encouraging words that build faith. God still speaks. I was waiting on some amens. God still speaks to and through people to give direction, warning, and edification to the church. Evangelists have been gifted with the ability to share the gospel of Christ with clarity and see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on those in need of salvation. They have a unique quality of ministering to the lost and helps churches develop a mindset for soul winning. And the church needs ministries that can help reap a harvest of lost souls. Without this ministry, the church will not grow either. We need evangelistic outreach in our own churches. Pastors are shepherds who care for the flock. 
They are called to feed the flock of God with the word of God through discipline or through discipling people and teaching the word of God. Pastors are able to protect the church from false doctrine and spiritual danger. They are also called to do the work of an evangelist. Uh, God enables people with a pastoral ministry to properly care for the local assembly on a daily basis. Pastors don't get a day off. That's all right. I'm not grumbling. I'm just telling you, daily we're ready to watch out for the flock. Teachers are those, and men, we need teachers today. And sometimes some of these will intertwine uh, and connect uh, because a pastor will teach, as I'm doing now. Teachers are those who God endows with a special gift of explaining the Word of God. Uh, through their diligent study and apt presentation, they, they nourish the minds of people with what the Lord is saying to the church through the Scripture. And so this list of ministries links pastors and teachers closely together. Like I said, sometimes these things will, will intertwine because they feel a pastor can fill both roles, and sometimes an evangelist may fill both roles. And so you know, it, it all works together, but it was given, as it says in verse 12, Ephesians 4 and 12, for the perfecting of the saints. How many wants to be complete? That's what per- perfect, you know, when you think of perfect for the perfecting of the saints, oh, that's so I won't have any faults at all. There ain't no man alive can preach to you and cause you to just not have any faults at all because it still comes down to your choices. But you can be complete. You can be fully uh, equipped the Bible says to be thoroughly furnished. Uh, you can have everything. You, you'll never be able to say, well, I didn't have that tool. There's nothing worse to be somewhere and you're trying to fix something and you're like, oh, I need a Phillips head. I ain't got one. I got a whole bag full of tools except that Phillips head. I got a flat head. That don't work. I got to have the Phillips head. Well, you had one. Yeah, I, I just left it laying somewhere else on that other job, and so you didn't really care that much about your tools, and now you ain't got what you need. But you'll never be able to say, God, I didn't have the tool to overcome that. I didn't have the tool to do that, to be that. Oh, yeah, you did. Because every time that pastor preached, every time that evangelist came through, every time somebody taught that Bible study, it was giving you what you needed to be perfected. See, the word perfecting there, means uh, if you look it up in your strongs, it, will, it means to repair or to mend or completely furnish. It's like a surgical term that you would use as repairing a broken limb, which often means getting something set. You know what they do when they set a bone? They put it back in place. Sometimes we get a little out of place, and it's the preaching of the word that brings us back in. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're, we're bone of his bone, and sometimes we get out of joint. You know what they do when it's out of joint? They pop it back in joint, and then it works better. But, oh, boy, it's painful when it's out of joint. You ever knocked your shoulder out of joint? I have. It hurts. Uh, It hurts when those discs are out of line. And and so we go somewhere to get that corrected so we can stand up right. We can walk and talk and do things without pain. And, And that's what the preaching of the Word, it'll help you live this life without pain, without discomfort, but it'll it'll help furnish you, mend you, it'll repair you. And there's no, you know what? I don't get embarrassed. when If my back goes out, I'll be like, oh, don't tell anybody my back's out. They'll think something really bad with me. I'll tell them, hey, my back's out. I'm going to the chiropractor. He's going to fix me. You know what? 
If you need preaching, praise God. Then get preaching. If, if you know you're a little out of line, then pop them ears open and listen up. I need something. Don't. You know, you know what the worst thing is? Is to know there's a solution, but never go to it. It's, oh, it's just too much trouble. And I have done that with the chiropractor. I have suffered needlessly. When I knew if I could just go, uh, he'll take care of it. I don't want to go. I don't want, first, I don't want to drive over there. And I don't want to sit in the office. And then I don't want to have to pay when it's done. So I'll just, it'll, it'll probably work its way back. Guess what? It never works its way back. And you're struggling and popping and grinding and stuff all the time. Can't sleep at night. Arm going numb when you lay down. Just go to the doctor. Just go to the word. Just listen to your preacher. Just listen to what he's saying and, and then apply it. Don't shut him out. Don't tune it out. Don't Let your heart be good ground so that you can be better. He, he, listen, if I'm preaching, I'm trying to either repair, mend, or furnish. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to make sure you make it to heaven. I, I can't take you. On, I can't hold your hand. I can't buy your ticket. I can't ensure that. All I can do is preach to you, repair you, mend you, or furnish you. Maybe do something that will pop you back in place, but I just want to make sure that you understand that this word can help you. It will help you to walk uh, like you're supposed to walk. We, we can't be without one another. It, when we preach, there's got to be preaching so faith can be birthed. We, we've got to preach so people can, uh, it, the preaching of the word, it trains people, believers, to fulfill their own ministry so they can discover their gifts, receive strength, direction, power, and then accomplish God's will and purpose for their life. That's why church is essential. And that's why the churches must continue to gather uh, that's why shutting the church down was so detrimental and why people struggled so bad when it happened because people need to be together with one another. Listen, we are a body. And I know we did things for safety's reasons and all. We, we made decisions based on information we had and we were trying to do our best, but we knew this cannot continue. We've got to get back together. Because a body just cannot survive separated of itself. You have a, a, a member cut from your body, it won't live detached. It won't. It, it won't. It, all the things that give its life will just drain out of it, and then it will just be a dead member. And I'm, I'm so afraid that we've got a, too many dead members now, uh, but I'm glad I know the resurrection and the life. I'm glad that it's not without hope that God can do it, but I, I want to see people back in the house of God. Yeah. Honey, you can come on us. We're getting close to time here. and uh, I'm going to try to steal them four minutes back that I was late getting up here with. Listen, the Bible says, if we were to read on down, that uh, we've got to take some responsibility uh, with our individual maturity. We've got to do that. And so uh, I'm going to briefly get to this. Ephesians 4 and 22 says that, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or behavior, the old man. In other words, you're putting off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Put off 
the old man and the behavior of the old man. Hello. We're buried. We bury the old man in water and baptism in his name. We bury that old man. When you bury him, you bury his ways. Yep. You don't get to keep those ways. You bury those ways. And then in verse 24, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We've got to have a level of consecration in ourselves. I was talking about this this morning with, uh, with Sister Jessica. We was talking about this, and I said 2021 is going to be a redefining of the word consecration for a lot of people because our definition of consecration does not match his definition. And we're going to, because it's the same used in Scripture, it's the same as holiness. The Bible says without holiness we will not see the Lord. No man shall see the Lord. And so there's going to have to be uh, deeper levels of consecration. What's that mean? It means living according to the word. That's what it, you live according to his word. Samson, to stay consecrated, all he had to do was keep the Nazarite vow. He had to stay consecrated. But when he let them shave off the locks of his hair, that was it. It broke the vow. Just think if he had been as passionate about protecting what God had given him, if he'd had the same zeal about protecting what God had done in his life as he had in pursuing things that were unlike God. What could Samson have done? What could he have been? Now, I know he's listed in the, and I'm not down in Samson. It's tragic what happened. But the things that were written, the scripture said, were written for our example, for our learning. And what happened, that his story was written so we could understand You can't just play around no matter how anointed you are, no matter how called you are. Hey, he was called from the womb. But that don't give you a license to play around with the world because it'll take you out very quickly. Stand with me. God has important work for the church to do in this day. And we will accomplish this work when we are walking with Christ and becoming more like him walking worthy we cannot just choose godly actions but we must make sure that even our speech the Bible says everything we do in word or deed we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus even our speech needs to bring glory to God God has provided more than we could ever ask made a way for us to overcome to overcome the enemy of God and to overcome our own flesh God has called his church to a higher walk and he desires us to pursue more of him. And I'm going to finish with this right here. Paul wrote to the church, Colossians 3. You need to read this this whole chapter. But I'm going to read the first three verses, but it, it really sets the tone for our life with him. If you be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection or your interest on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead. So stop living like a dead man, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. We died, this flesh, it dies out to this world. 
we bury it. Repentance is death. Baptism is burial. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is resurrection, raised to walk in the newness of life. And, and so we need to walk in the newness of life, walk worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. Because there's a world looking at us, church. And as it gets darker, they're going to notice the light. We've got to be the church that God called us to be. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you this morning and are so thankful for this call, this calling that you've placed to take us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, I pray today that you'll help us, Lord, as we slip and slide and stumble on this road, God, that you'll steady us and help us not to turn to the left or right, but to just keep walking straight on, straight on this holy path that you've laid out before us. Lord, help us to pick one another up, God, to encourage one another, to love one another, to be unified with one another, to forgive one another, God, as you have forgiven us. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Just worship for a minute. While she sings a chorus or two of this, just worship the Lord. Yes to the Lord. Hallelujah. I agree to your to your way. Oh, I say yes. Oh, yes. I agree. Oh, yes, I do. I lift my hands and say yes. Oh, yes. Aren't you thankful for the Lord this morning? Praise God. Appreciate you being in discipleship class this morning. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Looking forward to a great move of the Holy Ghost. God bless you in Jesus' name.